Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode episode four of Reporting as Eligible. Yeah, I botched the intro. I don't care. I'm not editing it at all. Um, <laughs> joining me as, as always, uh, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is J.R. Radcliffe. I am trending sports reporter at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and I love, I love crazy intros. Love it. Spontaneous. What's happening, everybody? My name is Matt, but you can call me Matub, and I just built a deck. Why? Nice. Because I wanted a deck, How's, so I built one. How is the deck? It, so as of right now, it is a raised wooden platform. Okay. Um, <laughs> according to uh, Colorado Building Code, it is short enough to where I don't have to add a railing, but I will because dogs well, and babies. Safety first. I, I, that's just bad code right there. Does I, anyone build it. a deck to code, though? Well, I, I, my deck is to code. Okay. Excellent. And, well done. And over code. And, um, it, it is. And uh, at the highest point, it is 22 inches off the ground. And uh, under 30 doesn't need a, a railing. All right. And I, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Paul Noonan. Uh, <laughs> I, I, write, I write a Packer column for the Shepherd Express. I write for Acme Packing Company with Matt. Um, I occasionally write for Baseball Prospectus, and I do this podcast. Um, and uh, we are going to talk about um, the, the regular season's almost here, which is good because then we'll have actual football to talk about and not kind of preseason nonsense. But at least we had good preseason nonsense this week because the Packers played in Canada. Um, they played on a football field that was not up to snuff, not up to code, like unlike, <laughs> unlike, unlike Matt's porch <laughs> that he just built. Um, that beautiful unplanned segue. Yes. That's beautiful. Yes. So um, uh, the, the the Raiders, this is their fault. Um, they they booked their, their games. Um, they're a lame dunk team. They're moving to Los Angeles. Not Los Angeles. Las Vegas. Nobody likes them. And uh, they decided they wanted to play this preseason game in Canada. Nobody went to it. It was about two-thirds full. And because of the way CFL stadiums are built, the field goal posts are at the front of their crazy 110-yard long field, and nobody thought about the holes that they would leave. So the Raiders determined early that they weren't even going to bring their starters. The Packers decided not to play most of their starters, though I think they played a couple of guys who would have been starters and maybe still will be. And it was just a weird debacle of a football game where the field was reduced to 80 yards, and uh, it was boring and nobody important played, except when they did, they got hurt. Um, so, so uh, the fallout from the game is Rashawn Gary got hurt. He seems to be okay, but it looked bad at the time. Um, Curtis Bolton got hurt somewhat seriously and Equ- Equinemius St. Brown, like thought he tore his, a- I, I would have bet a lot of money he tore his ACL when I saw that injury. He has a high ankle sprain, which isn't great, but, uh, better than it could be. So they got out relatively not unscathed, but, but the field was bad and, the NFL has this problem with bad fields. Like, they've canceled preseason games because people showed up and the field was bad. They have a couple of stadiums where the turf is always bad and dangerous. And this seems bizarre in a league that keeps getting scrutinized for safety and just for, like, it's a very basic thing to have your field work in the first place. And it's not like it's very complicated. It's a big rectangle with covered in turf or grass. So, like... um, in, just in terms, in, just in terms of the game, um, how, how bad of an idea do you guys think this was? Do you think the Packers should have played at all? Do you think they should have turned around and left, like like happened a few years ago? I'd be curious to know who who's there from the NFL that's in the ear of the Packers because they, they, it's curious to me that they they rested all their starters. Seemingly, that was not the plan, and maybe it was, but I find that hard to believe why they why they all flew there in the first place. So it seemed the the. The company line was, "We're not doing that because of the turf." They may they they refused to admit that we were pulling all our starters 
because of the turf, which feels weird to me. It feels like someone from the NFL was like, oh, you don't 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 talk about the turf like it's going to go away. Like we're not going to notice playing on an 80 yard field on turf that isn't quite right. And like, people standing around a hole in the field on camera for like 20 minutes before the game. Starts. Right, right. I mean, I'm not saying that's what was happening. I have no idea. But I found that bizarre. Why? Why not even? Why not even address it unless there's fear of some sort of recourse from the NFL? So I don't, the NFL obviously cares more about its image than it does, uh, you know, a lot of things. So I can see, I could, I can imagine a little conspiracy scenario there, but I, I don't know if the Packers had the leverage to just say, we are walking away. I don't know if there was somebody there saying, no, you're going to play this game. There's contracts and all kinds of sponsorship stuff to think of, but this was a boondoggle from the start. We knew it going in that nobody was going to this game. It's not an allocation that you're going to get fans. Even Packers fans aren't traveling to this game. It was going to be half filled, and then they can't even get the field to work. This was not. This was this was so poorly orchestrated from the word go, and it. it I mean, it like was barely said, a football game. It was barely a football game. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was a. It was a, a joke. People are going to move on because still the NFL. It's still mostly well, it's, bulletproof. It's funny that you you call it barely a football game because the very first. Uh, problem that everyone had with the game was Aaron Rodgers quote-unquote back tightness that was going to keep him out of the game regardless it was the Canadian tuxedo man that's a tight fit it's I bet it, which, my new theory on that is he just decided to copy whatever injury Christian Yelich had that week which <laughs> which was back tightness so um just th- he went with an MVP injury I think I think Rodgers is an incredibly gifted troll and so I would believe that he would go with what Yelich <laughs> totally <laughs> it's right. totally possible so Aaron Rodgers' back tightness keeps him out of the game. And I tweeted that because uh, someone I, I read an article that said that, like, like it's because of his back tightness that they should look into drafting a QB in the first round next year, which <laughs> Paul, I know that you're you are big on on drafting a QB in the first round. And I agree with you. Um, but I think his back tightness quote unquote, should not, is not. <laughs> yeah, that should not play into it. His fake back tightness is not a reason to change your draft strategy. <laughs> right. but I, I said something along the lines of like, like veteran QB makes up phantom injury to get out of televised practice. <laughs> Therefore, he is washed. But it wasn't even, I mean, it's not him. It's every single starter that the Packers had, except for like poor Curtis Bolton. Poor Curtis Bolton. <laughs> Honestly, that poor guy. Um, and it wasn't like, it wasn't a getting blown up injury. There was just a a bit of bad luck um i mean gary too like not that he's going to be a starter necessarily but you know an asset an asset that's worth quite a bit yeah um and that and good he's i'm glad he's okay like it looked like a like a potentially very serious like back or neck injury um so it's 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 nice that he turned out to be fine but um and the saint brown injury was infuriating because it was clear as day what was happening yeah and Dirty hit and turf. Clearly the turf played a role. I don't know how the Packers don't just pack up and say, that's it. Like, what's the point of doing this? We're on an 80-yard field. And they lost all three of those guys in pretty quick succession. Like, yeah. Not, not like right away, but like once. I think Gary's second time he went down was yeah. right before St. Once Carol. you lost the third one, I was surprised they sent anybody back out there. Uh, yeah, but I just, I guess, I don't think any of us truly understand what kind of leverage it would take to be able to walk away in the middle of a, of even if it is a preseason game, but like, like how much you would, you would sacrifice to just get up and, and take your football and go home. I guess so. Like I, I do also wonder just how much the fact that they have normal stadiums with awful t- turf plays into maybe coercing them back out there because like there have definitely been times when teams should have walked away from playing at soldier. Um, I, I remember a definite, a definite player safety hazard when the Packers played in Minnesota 
um, in the brief period when they were at the University of Minnesota's field, which does not have heating coils underneath it because the gopher season is always done, you know, very, very, very early. Um, <laughs> and so without without heating coils in we're January. We're November, people. Yes. Early November. Without heating coils in January, that feels a rock. I, I think that was the Joe Webb game, um, if memory serves. And uh, like hitting your head on a solid frozen field is terrible for you. Like it, it's awful. They They don't seem to care at all. And... Um, it, 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 I could definitely see something in the future if player safety continues to grow as an issue with teams just like, no, Bears, like, fix your field or we're not getting out there. Like, be, when it rains, that place is awful. It's just well, terrible. So it's, I mean, it's been a problem. So I grew up um, just north of Detroit, and so I went to the Silverdome more often than, than others would. And I will, I will also tell you that uh, I have finagled around in the silver dome field um i tried out for a professional ultimate frisbee team called the detroit mechanics which at the time played at the silver dome and i the fact that barry sanders didn't tear his acl eight times a game is like a miracle if, if you guys have never set foot on what was 90s astro turf it is uh it, it's a sprained knee monstrosity and it's essentially indoor outdoor carpet on top of concrete yeah there's some high school fields some of the initial iterations of of artificial field turf that i think are comparable but even then i don't i don't know i mean they phased all that stuff out silverdome astrodome the the uh the expo stadium is i think historically one of the worst ever pick yeah yeah um so did did we know that he had like flirted with football career is that is that new information that he was... Wait, I I didn't. It was professional ultimate frisbee. Oh, okay, we... okay. I miss I misunderstood. <laughs> okay, so that he flirted with a professional ultimate frisbee career. That's still super interesting. It makes so so much more sense that you live in Colorado now. I get it all now. All the picture is clear. <laughs> well, also, like that was back when I was I was an out of shape thick boy. But man, I could huck a frisbee seventy five <laughs> yards with with just pinpoint accuracy. Well, that's good. So then, uh, as long as uh, as long as you're throwing it and not trying to catch it on the carpet, and the silver dome, did they finally tear that down? I'm pretty sure they, they did. did. They, they did. just recently tore so it down. They tore it down, um, and the parking lot of the silver dome is full of recalled Volkswagen diesel cars. Shut up. Yes. No. Yes, it is. It is. I'm pretty sure it's on Google Maps. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I remember looking at photos of the stadium. It looked like it had been reclaimed a little bit by the flora and the fauna. Basically, and you could, you, at some point, you could have purchased it for like seventy thousand dollars. Incredible. It was, so when it when it sold to the people who um, rented it out to the Detroit Mechanics, it was under five hundred thousand dollars. Incredible. So the yeah. the stadium in functioning order went for five hundred grand. That's incredible. It's a it's a it's a weird weird place. You in can't general, buy houses in Milwaukee for that. I mean, you can in most neighborhoods. That's but what not. everybody said, but nobody wanted it because. So there's there is a, a video shortly before um, the Silverdome got torn down that Red Bull made, where a uh, Detroit-based BMX uh, Red Bull sponsored athlete just set up some ramps and tore through the Silverdome. It's it's a it's a piece of art. I highly recommend uh, searching it. It's it's amazing. Well, the NFL would have no problem playing games there because they do not care about their turf. <laughs> they don't, and they should because it's one of the easiest things to control. Well, what about Soldier Field, though? Do you think it's easy to control? I feel like with the way the weather just beats down on that thing, I don't know what they can... I mean, I, I assume there's more they could do, but I don't know. I'm not a so, turf guy. For those who don't know about the, the, the deal with Chicago, 
Um, the, the the McCaskey family who owns the Bears does not pay for the upkeep of Chicago of Soldier Field's turf. It is um, it is done by the Chicago Parks Department, and they put as much effort into it as a, you know. A, I'm sure they do fine. Um, I'm sure they do a perfectly adequate job of making a nice green park, but they're not like a specialized bunch of you know turf scientists that a lot of the other stadiums have. And it is a complete, just cheap thing that the Bears do. And yeah, they're in a rough area. They're very far north. It's outdoor. But there are a lot of other stadiums that have similar issues, including the Packers, and do not have their fields in as complete messes all of the time. Is it because of the land that it's on that the Parks Department? It is because of the land that it's on. And historically, they've always done it. And the Bears don't want to assume the additional cost of having to do it themselves. Well, isn't isn't Lambo like a like an artificial and grass hybrid? Yes, I think so. I should look I that up just, before I am so definitive, but I'm pretty sure. I, it is. I would, I, yeah. Like I was under the impression that it was it was like partially grass, partially plastic, and that's something that a parks department isn't going to be able to pull off. Right. Oh, that's fascinating. I did not. I did not know that. Yeah, it, <laughs> it it's one of those things you, in Chicago. You pay, people make fun of it randomly all the time, and it's and then on it, top of it, you have the the worst climate, the worst outdoor climate stadium in the NFL. Absolutely, and part of that is Chicago's ownership is is not actually particularly wealthy on the grand scheme of, of football owners, and the, the the football business is actually a, a big chunk of the business itself. So it's not like. There's this extra, you know, this billionaire behind it who is, can throw money at these small problems even if they wanted to. It's somebody who's really managing for costs. Um, I guess there are more owners now that do that than used to, but this one's really out of necessity to some extent. They're they're an interesting franchise, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. I wonder if they change their mind if somebody important gets a, gets a turf injury, uh, although it would be late in the season, so it may not have the impact that we would think. I yeah. Don't know. Um, yeah. So, uh, so turf, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely a thing that the NFL does not care enough about. Nope. Definitely not. They should, they should start and they should never let this happen in preseason again. It's fly somebody out there a month early to actually check out the stadium in advance. I mean, this is not rocket science. You can vet. I, just, where I loved seeing the first picture come out of a bunch of people standing around the hole in the floor right. and just looking at it. Like, oh, look, a hole. Like, nobody could have seen this in advance of the game actually starting. They had to have sent somebody. Did they not send? I, I'd heard that they were sending ambassadors to go check this out. Did they still not think, oh, we should check it out what it looks like when the goalposts are out of the ground? They had, they had to have just overlooked it. I really think that they just overlooked it. Right, but what if what if the ambassadorship that was sent was very similar to, like, Ben Franklin in France, like they just went and partied and got kicked out. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's an extremely specific example, but yeah, have a you good, sorry, good I'm, old time I'm in Winnipeg. I'm currently listening to Nick Offerman's book Gumption, where he talks about great Americans with you know chutzpah, and one of them he talks about is <laughs> is uh, Ben uh, Franklin. Ben Franklin. Don't you think it could be a little bit like gym floors? You know how there are those little openings that uh, that the volleyball nets go into they, oh yeah they kind of just pop open like little copper tops copper i'm sure that i'm sure it's i have that, installed but... many a net in those holes yeah. yeah why don't they have one that just has grass on top of it like a little fake turf it just sort of closes down and you don't know it is it it's like sprinklers you don't even well, notice they're there. It's, it's freaking moose jaw saskatoon and they don't expect to ever <laughs> play american not saskatoon <laughs> sorry manitobans we know it wasn't saskatoon um <clears throat> although manitoba is also a hilarious name I was being purposely obtuse. Mm-hmm. 
Ah, all right. Well, do we any any reaction to anything that actually happened during the game? The only real thing of note for the Packers is Trevor Davis played well. Um, Very well. He played really well. He had six catches uh, on seven targets and only missed one. And, you know, with garbage quarterbacks throwing to you, even more impressive. And scored a touchdown and had like 70 yards. And I think he was a little bit on the bubble and uh, being pushed by um, by Shepard. He's probably going to make the team now, especially given the injury situation. But um, he, he did he, he did what a Trevor Davis always does, I think. <laughs> and has that one good game that makes you wonder why he doesn't do it more often. But um, so I, I personally, I've, I've always been of the mindset that Trevor Davis always looks good in shorts. And I think I've even said it on this podcast. You have said it before. on this podcast. And every uh, successive year, he looks good for longer and longer. And so I think that we have reached peak Trevor Davis where he looks good right before the season starts. <laughs> okay. So you don't think this bleeds into week one? You think this is the end? Oh, I, I think I think he is going to uh, be on the kickoff return team and, like, fumble or get tackled. <laughs> That's well. totally what's going to happen. such a great call. It would be such a Trevor Davis thing to have happen. <laughs> I'm so sick. I'm sick of Trevor Davis. I, I want him to go away. I, I, I really wanted somebody to beat him out this year and not have him on the team. I think he's a free agent after this year too, so he's easy to get rid of. Um, but he probably saved himself, and he's at least he's good at special teams. But man, all of the other wide receiving options are way more interesting than he is. Um, well, Trevor Davis is Jeff Janice without all the fun. He is. Well, he's he's also small, so also without the size. But uh, he's he's never done anything good. I, I hate that he's taking up a roster spot. I'd rather have Kumaro, Lazard, Shepard. Anybody else? So. Well, which of those guys is out now? Because with St. Brown, figured you know, you figure he starts on the sidelines or in the injury list, I should say. I I think Lazard. First of all, he's not playing this week apparently. Right. So um, that's tough. It's for not him good for team. him. Domovsky, uh, Rob Domovsky of ESPN, um, speculated today that it would be easier to speak sneak Shepard through waivers. Um, I'm not sure that's and Lazard. Yeah. His reasoning was uh, just Lazard has really good size and strength, and teams see that and salivate after it, which I think that's a little overly simplistic, but not a bad point. Um, He's an outside guy. They're more valuable than slot guys. Um, But Shepard's been good and does bring special teams value and slot receiving. So I think they'll actually have a hard time sneaking anybody through waivers. But um, since Lazard's not going to play this week, I think he's maybe not going to make it. I would bet on Shepard making it and not Lazard. Yeah. Which I, I personally, I, I feel kind of bad. I think Lazard could really develop into something. I, I mean, he could develop into something. Stop that sentence there. He's, uh, what's the phrase? That, the phrase, the first time I used this was with Dimitri Goodson. What they call him a, a height, weight, speed prospect. That yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you get a guy for his measurables. And honestly, you see flashes of, of competency at the NFL level. And I think, like, I, like, like he... If we're talking about someone who could contribute kind of down the stretch, it would be Lazard. But yeah, if, if he doesn't play tomorrow, he's he's not going to make the squad. And now with the with the news coming that they've traded Reggie Gilbert for a seventh round pick, I feel like uh, <laughs> I feel like the uh, that's a pretty thin group. But they see, I mean, I don't know. Thin might be a wrong word, but they're going to go with four. I would think it looks like it. It I think that was surprising. It, I I didn't expect that to happen, but. Uh, it looks like they're going to go with four. I I don't see anybody else. Uh, who pushed Reggie Gilbert off the team? I guess is the question. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, nobody did. Theory, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I I saw a tweet after the trade was announced that said something about like crowded outside linebacker room, and I was like, who is, is crowding it? it? 
so uh, I, we're all kind of baffled by this one, I think. Um, I, I mean, four is fi it's fine, but it seems like an area where you should have more depth than that. It's pretty important. Uh, you, they do a lot of rotating. They do a lot of scheming sacks from other places. Uh, I don't think edges is important in Petten's defense as it is some others, but it seems like a strange decision on a player who's pretty useful. Like, I understand why you can't trade him for very much because he's just back in depth, but like, uh, he's a better guy. They're going to keep somebody who is worse than him for sure. Like, for, for, would anybody rather have Fackrell than Gilbert here? I know he had 10 sacks like, okay. last year. But. If you were to ask me that like 350 days ago, uh -huh. I 100% I would have said I would have taken Gilbert over Fackrell. Okay. But you know, you know about Fackrell's unsustainable sack rate, right? Yeah, well, I don't know, man. Like, like maybe he took a third year leap that that no one saw coming. Like, maybe he can. I'm not. I don't think he'll do ten and a half sacks and a hundred snaps or whatever his like freakish number was. But I, I do think that that he might be like like if his over under was five sacks, I would probably take the over. Uh, uh, all right, fair point. I guess I would too. He's not really good at anything else. He's still going to make the team over Reggie Gilbert, though. He's still he's still higher on the depth. Yeah, right he is. Uh, I don't know. I I don't have a big problem with it. He's an end of the roster guy, but it it was weird. It's an odd decision. Uh, and they might still pick up a few guys and cut a few guys too. It's when when cut downs come, that always happens. So but it's it's funny in the, in the pre show we discovered that Reggie Gilbert was traded for the exact same haul as Ty Montgomery. Like a, a 2020 a seventh round pick. Yep. It'd so, be amazing if they were back to back. It would. We should keep an eye on those and just note who they are for the future. One of them's going to get packaged to something else <laughs> down the line. It won't matter. But that, that is correct. Seventh rounders don't matter at all. They are the pennies of current, of draft currency. Uh, Which, I mean, if you if you believe Jesus Mosqueda, the draft is four rounds or five rounds, depending on how he's feeling that day. I think it's five now. Like, if he hasn't adjusted it to five permanently, he should because. You get enough like quality in the fifth round now that it's actually worth having that, and it's like the best place to get running backs. Like I, I know I'm the one who says running backs don't matter, but like you do need them, and that is the best place to get them. There's lots of good fifth round running backs. There, it's like the the perfect spot. They don't cost anything. They're still pretty good. It's where it's where Aaron Jones was, right? He's fifth. Jamal was the fourth. So, um, like I, I'm pro fifth round, five round draft. It should be a five round draft. Sixth and seventh though, they don't matter at all. Nobody cares about that. Um, any any other game observations? It was it was other than the field oddities. I don't feel like we learned a lot in I that mean, one. We're, there is some serious chatter amongst Packer faithful that Tim Boyle is the true QB two. Uh, well, all right. I hate backup quarterbacks almost as much as I hate running backs. Um, but <laughs> he he might. I think he's outplayed Deshaun Kaiser, but. They're both bad. That's the thing. Like, I don't want any, either of them. But I would. For, I've uh, Domovsky, by the way, had had them keeping both um, on the final. If they keep both quarterbacks, I will not be happy about that well, decision. D Domovsky had them cutting Lane Taylor and keeping three quarterbacks. He's not the yeah. only one. There's a couple guys. Who I saw said Lane won't make the Lane team. Taylor was on a couple cut lists today. I'll, if they actually do that, and you know, this isn't just like crazy speculating some of these people have sources on these things and like if they get rid of lane taylor and keep three quarterbacks i will not be happy about that if like lane taylor should definitely make the team he has good versatility and has been a very good player in the past if they cut him they're that is not a good sign for front office acumen 
And if they do it for three quarterbacks, two of two of which are awful, that's even worse. Like to keep any of those guys over a useful player is a terrible idea. Yeah, forget the quarterback thing. In a vacuum, why would they want to move on from Lane Taylor? Even if you think Elton Jenkins is it just Elton Jenkins? I think the I think G is El- silent. I think the G is silent. So yeah, okay. So he's a starting guard, but like they value that they have valued that versatility. And they, they've had such terrible backups for years. Like having well, him the and also, like people forget, like like Ted Thompson just up and cut Pro Bowler Josh Sitton and was like, "Yeah, Lane will be fine." And Lane was great. Yep. I know that was a baller move. That was crazy. It was. It was a great move. And like Lane Taylor's. I not, mean, I thought it was crazy in the moment that, was, that they were getting, moving on from Josh Sitton, but Lane Taylor totally backed up the faith there. That was incredible. He but, but he's he's not even old. This doesn't make any sense. It's a weird thing that's happened. Like. He should be a lock, not on the bubble, like like on people's cut list. It's ridiculous. It could maybe, be that maybe Gudikins just really hates barbecue. I don't know <laughs> if you guys have followed Lane Taylor's Instagram. It is just like it's nothing but smoked meats <laughs> and barbecue. We're gonna follow him now. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Um, hope well, it's not a maybe, hope that's not a warning sign for. <laughs> well, no. it, okay. So the the last person who I followed on social media who was that obsessed with barbecue was. Um, uh, the the Patriots defensive tackle who went to the Texans, um, huge Vince Wilfork. So, if if he's if he's as good as Vince Wilfork was at being a defensive tackle, I I'm totally okay with his <laughs> yes. obsession with smoked meat. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Vince Wilfork, great hard knocks character too. Speaking of uh, speaking of the Raiders, oh uh, uh, yeah, that's true. Um. Yeah, so it could be too that when they're making their lists about Lane, you know, and not including Lane Taylor, it's not necessarily that they expect him to get cut, or maybe, I mean, maybe they do, but there's there could be there's a lot of different ways players leave the roster. You know, we just saw it with Reggie Gilbert, so like, it's possible that there's they could move on, they could move on in a trade, they could find I don't know, they, there's that's there's true. a number that, of things maybe that there's still happening. Maybe there's here. rumors of Taylor getting moved somewhere. Maybe maybe the Browns have been interested. Who knows? That would that would make sense. Sure. Um, but it, it's. I'm interested to see what final cuts look like. I still got to do my predictions, but uh, I have a feeling I'm going to end up having an angry rant that day. I can just kind of see it happening. Yeah. You guys have a have a you know have a Josh Sitton pick for this year, a guy that gets cut that we did not see coming. If if not Lane Taylor, <laughs> yeah, freaking Mike Daniels. Yeah, that already happened. I, I think. guess you're right. Yeah, so there's not room for another one, I suppose. I think maybe there will be another one, but yeah, that one's still kind of infuriating, especially if we're keeping three quarterbacks. They're not going to keep three quarterbacks. I, I, <laughs> I refuse to believe. <laughs> I should just have a list of people I'll be mad about if they keep three quarterbacks ready to go. Well, if they, they keep three quarterbacks, they keep Trevor Davis, and they cut Lane Taylor for no reason, I, I would poop a masonry object. Another very Gross. specific thing to say, but Man, um, thank goodness this is not a visual medium. I don't. I, like, well, it's it's a PG version of a got you. Yeah. They can't believe that they couldn't get a Kaiser or Boyle off the street if they needed one one day. They can't believe that, can they? I. They keep they keep bringing them back and keeping them around. Just plus, uh, there's going to be a ton of new guys so, on the market too. I I think with Kaiser, like you definitely have some. Some like just leftover sunk cost fallacy of he was second rounder. They gave up something valuable to get him, so they they don't have a quick trigger fin- finger on him, even though he's awful. Boyle, I don't. I mean, he's just a guy. I they're both just guys, but like I understand one more than the other. It, See, I I I would normally agree with you on the sunk cost fallacy idea there, but the thing is, is we've seen that that Goot does not give one good gosh dang about draft capital that Ted has spent. That's. I, I guess true. Who is he cut? Oh, uh, Dan. Well, yeah, like who? 
What's oh, the counter? Okay. Well, I was, was going to say, he's, so he's, he's gotten rid of uh, Daniels, Josh Jones. Um, okay. Josh Jones true. and Jason Spriggs. That's two second that's rounders. True, that's yeah, true. and Jason Spriggs. That's, that's who I was. Sorry, I was blanking. Thank you for the Jason. Suck. Yeah. Okay, fair so enough. So Spriggs and Jones are two recent high draft picks that are both just ditched. Although Josh Jones pretty much ditched himself. Yeah, and then Jason Spriggs just was beyond very terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I, felt, I got Spriggs, a lump in my throat. I just did not want to say it, but he was Jason, so bad. Jason Spriggs is a human lag spike. He just he just <laughs> lives life that? with with a four hundred millisecond delay. That's his problem. Oh, a la- okay. <laughs> a lag spike. I thought this is something you used to build a deck. That's, That's what exactly I was what too. I was thinking. Oh no, you mean a, <laughs> you mean like lag lags in time. Yeah, oh. Like, like, I don't know if you guys have ever like like play any video game online with a bad lag and you'll just be stuttering around everywhere and behind everything. Like Jason Spriggs was just he was just always like like three three milliseconds or third bleh, 300 milliseconds behind everyone else. It was it was his reaction time was just awful. Yep. Just terrible. <laughs> All right. Let's uh <laughs> We're almost to the we're almost to the regular season, so let's, let's talk about the North and let's let's do um, some Packer predictions. Like next week, we could talk about the Bears a little bit more, but um, I want to start with Football Outsiders, who does Kubiak, the projection system for fantasy players and for how teams are going to do. Um, much similar to Baseball Prospectus's Pakoda projections, um, they're okay. They're uh, they're not as good as Pakoda because. When you're doing a 162 game baseball um, season, it's it's easier to have sort of more wide ranging projections, whereas Kubiak tends to cluster a little bit around eight, um, just because of the way football is. But interesting nonetheless, because sometimes it picks up on some some trends, some regression to the mean, and it's interesting this year in the North because they actually think that the Bears um, are going to be worse than everybody else. Um, they have them projected to be last. Now that's in a, band, a very narrow band of, of teams. They have them projected for 7.9 wins, so that's 8. Um, the Packers have the best at 8.6. The Lions actually have the second best at 8.3, and the Vikings at 8, um, just a little bit ahead of the Bears. So first of all, I'll tell you, that strikes me as crazy for the most part, and I'm kind of down on the Packers this year. But um, for the Bears, it sees a lot of regression to the mean. Uh, big defenses tend to come back a lot. It sees Mitch Trubisky not being that good. Um, it sees... The turnovers being not repeatable, um, and the whole NFC North has what appears to be a pretty brutal schedule. I'll actually be surprised if anybody gets to 12 wins, and I could definitely see something like 10 winning the division easily, maybe even 9. Um, Ooh, 2013 all over again. It, I think that's a, po- a real possibility this eight, year. 8-1, eight I want that. Yeah. and or That's not, so that's the cluster, not what it was. The cluster eight, seven makes sense. So I, like, well, I don't think the Packers will be that good. I think there's definitely reason to see the Bears coming back. And some reason to see the like the Vikings jumping up, who are kind of like the Bears. Like their defense is really pretty similar. They have a very similar setup. They have a, a, another really good corner on one side, another really good safety. They have a good front seven, and I, I mean they they have a better receivers and a better quarterback, and probably a better running back when he's healthy too. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them jump up. Um, Dalvin Cook has not really been healthy, so that's very speculative, um, but it could be. And then. I don't know what they see in the Lions. I'll be perfectly honest there. I do think their defense will get better. Like, I don't think Matt Patricia is a very good head coach, but he's a possibly a good defensive coordinator. And they have gotten better on defense. They have some they have some stuff to work with there. Like, um, Darius Slay is very good. He's one of the best corners in the game. 
they they do have a good an interesting combination up front with Mike Daniels now at joining Snacks, um, whose last name I always forget because he's Snacks. <laughs> for for those of you who don't know who Snacks Harrison. is, Snacks Harrison, um, he is the single best run defender in the NFL. He's not really good at anything else, but he's so much better at that than everybody else that he keeps finding jobs. With he pairs with Daniels very nicely. Like nobody's going to run on the lines at all this year, which. You know, for a Packer team that's pledged to run the ball a lot more is not the greatest thing in the world. And with Daniels adding interior pass rush, I could see them being substantially better on defense, especially if they can find one more corner to go along with a secondary that wasn't wasn't terrible with Slay anchoring one side as long as they were healthy. Still kind of a mess on offense over there, um, but better running game. They really just need to let Stafford kind of air it out to people and not care so much about him turning it over. But, you know, we'll see that. That probably won't happen. The Lions always find a way to be bad. I actually, I, I was reading a, a pretty interesting article about the Lions uh, during the Jim Bob Cooter era and how effective they were in the screen game. Well, and, it was like every play they ran, so. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently uh, Golden Tate was far and away like like an all-time great in the screen game under the Jim Bob Cooter offense. So if I think if they could find a way to incorporate their screen game a little bit more, because the, the Lions are or a case study in not needing a run game to be effective in play action. And so if you can get your screens going, get your play action going, and then you have a quarterback who can really sling it downfield like Stafford, like there, there's no excuse for their offense to be as pedestrian as it has been. Yep. Everybody's been waiting for that forever and completely agree with it. They, they should be better offensively. Like, I don't think the world is Stafford at all, but there are certainly a lot of quarterbacks out there who are way worse than he is. And, you can win a Super Bowl with a guy like him. Um, like the Joe Flacco's of the world prove that over and over again. And it, it, they've, they're, I feel bad for the Lions a little bit. They got all of their really excellent players just before the rookie cap came in. And so they paid Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson and Indomitian Suh like full value money. Didn't get any benefit from the draft, you know, knocking down their prices at all. It happened like the year after those three. If they would have gotten them with reduced prices, maybe they win a couple Super Bowls with them because that's a good foundation. But instead, they paid them through the nose and they had to sacrifice elsewhere when the number one pick was still a curse. So um, I, I do think they're doing a little bit better job of building. I could see them jumping up a little bit. And it's a tight enough division that stranger things have happened. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. Does anybody see anybody but the Bears actually winning this? I, I guess I would actually pick the Vikings based on all that I said with the Bears second and the Packers third. But um, anybody have strong disagreements with that? I don't. I mean, you said the thing that in the evaluation of the Bears, the turnovers, I just refuse to believe that they can replicate that. It's hard to go. I mean, there's nowhere for that defense to go up, but but down. Like, they, they were just so sensational last year. I don't think they can possibly replicate that. And, you know, I don't think the world of their offense necessarily. So I think there's probably room for this to, to be a pretty sticky race, like those you know predictions suggest. I just feel like with the Packers, I haven't moved off 8-8. Eight and eight And, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, the first-year coach thing is a big deal. It I, is. I think that it's – and that assumes Aaron Rodgers stays healthy all year, which – not that I think he's injury prone, but like at some point, that's always going to be part of the part of the conversation with the Packers too. It definitely is, and they they play a really really tough schedule. Like this is not a season where it's going to be easy. Not that it's ever easy, but I think you could have penciled them in for twelve wins for a few seasons there with yeah, with an easy schedule and with a you know juggernaut offense. And like for a good team, it's going to be hard to go eight and eight in this division this year with with the outside of the division schedule they have to play. So, like, they're going to have to really show something or have some quick development 
if they're going to actually, you know, reach lofty heights. And I just don't see that happening. I, I don't see the talent there. And with all the turnover, it, it just seems unlikely. It would be a, a yeah. big lucky thing. There is a there is a very strong possibility that nine and seven wins the division, and I think it's going to be a race to ten wins. Like ten automatically is going to win this division, and yeah, I think you might be right. I think the Vikings might be built best for a ten win season, um, but the to me, it's still the Packers are such a wild card. You can't eight and eight is a is a fair um, guess. They could be six and ten, or they could be ten and six. I like all three of those would not surprise me whatsoever. Yeah, there's a lot of variables. First time too in a long time we've seen this many like free agents, and and the, <laughs> the defense shape has changed so much. And you're kind of you just we just have no idea what to expect, and no idea if there, if he's gonna if Rogers is gonna have rapport with these receivers. No, we haven't seen Aaron Rodgers throw a pass in how long at all yeah, I mean, outside of practice There's settings. so many unknowns going into this season. Just not that we ever get too much preseason, but we've seen like just nothing out of what the actual team's going to look like. And with a new team, it makes them just impossible to judge. And you can kind of say the same thing for some other teams, but not to this extent. Like we expect their defense will be better, but we don't know that at all. Like we we really have no concept of it. They could their 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 range is huge. I, if everything goes right for them, they might be dynamite. Like if Lafleur really is a good influence on that offense and all the talent hits on defense, if the plan is the plan, that maybe they will get to twelve wins. But football doesn't work like that. Something always goes wrong. Usually, multiple things go wrong, and it's just a matter of like whether you're built to smartly overcome whatever happens to bite you, whether it's injuries or just a free agent signing that doesn't work out for whatever reason. Well, like the 2010 team when they won the Super Bowl, it was like. Was it like 13 starters on IR or something? So it was like a ridiculous number. It was. And, and they were they were a team that won with depth. And and rallying I, late, too. I mean, yeah, and also it bit them early. early. And in the, in the same way that the, the Giants won it in 2011 by getting hot when it mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that the, the last year, the Bears not only had what appears to be an unsustainable amount of turnovers, they were unsustainably healthy. That it is was, also true. And they're they're one or two, like five or six week injuries away from being a really bad team. Yep. So just to nerd out on injuries a little bit real quick, um, I I believe they were the healthiest team last year. Is that do you have that up? And you don't have it up. Um, I don't have it up, but I'm I. They were like at worst top three in yeah. terms of health. So Football Outsiders also tracks something called adjusted games lost, which doesn't just track when your guys are missing completely, but tracks when starters are missing and when they're playing hurt based on the injury designation that is released that week by the NFL. So using that, you can track, you know, whether guys are out there and injured and not as effective or if important players are missing. And the Bears were insanely healthy last year. Um, By the way, the Packers have a reputation, I think, for being injury prone. That's kind of true, but they have had occasional spurts of healthiness, and it does seem to be somewhat random with them. Health is not totally random, though. It does not regress to the mean like a lot of other things do. Healthy teams one year do tend to be healthy the next year. Um, Extremely healthy teams don't tend to be quite as extremely healthy, but rarely do they bounce back and forth. That said, the Bears did. Um, Two years ago, they were the second unhealthiest team in the league. They bounced all the way up to like a top three team last year. So um, I don't even know what to make of that. A quick note, last year they were tied for first. Tied for first. Thank you. Um, So... Since they've bounced around for two years, I, I don't really think we can definitively say that they're you know healthy prone or injury prone. 
And expecting something in the middle is probably a good thing to expect. And if that happens, they'll be significantly worse than they were last year. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. It, it makes sense. I, I didn't know anything about the injury stuff. That's interesting in, yeah. in terms um, of what's used, sustainable and what's not. We used to think it was um, totally random and would just bounce back to the mean every yeah. year. But it, it, as it turns out, one of the biggest predictors for individual injury is recent injury. Um, players who were injured in the last year are much more likely to get injured in the following oh, that year. That makes sense. Players who were healthier, much some of that selection bias, like younger guys are less likely to get injured, older guys are more likely to get injured. compensation theory um, too, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, did you know if you get into a car accident, you are four times more likely to get into another car accident soon? Nope, did not know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that so just they're... assumes your driving habits, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I think that it's also some psychological thing. It makes you more jittery and and really, uh, I could definitely yeah. see that actually. Like, that, yeah, that... I would not be in a hurry to get back on the road no. if I were in a car accident. All right, I'm. I'm. Let's. let's so uh, Jamon Moore is probably not going to make the team. <laughs> no, no. If, if if Jamon Moore makes the team and Lane Taylor doesn't, I will rock. <laughs> He's four times more likely to get into it. All right, I'm just trying to find the questions we got this week in the sea of. Bears fans telling me how good Eddie Jackson is tweets. Eddie uh, Jackson? What did, what have you been up to lately? I didn't know that you were uh they've moved on from their running back here. He's a safety. Yeah, I know. So oh. why are they talking about a safety? Oh, people keep asking me about for my I have a I have a list in a uh, of gifts of haha Clinton Dick screwing up. Yeah. And every once in a while somebody on Twitter asks me <laughs> for that reference that I had, which I'm always happy to oblige on. And then um then they t- so you know we have Adrian and Amos now they have haha Clinton Dix now um, and people keep telling saying things in my timeline that I'm not saying like Bears fans will tell you haha is the best safety in the league and like Bears fans read that and jump into like actually it's Eddie Jackson like I didn't say any of this just untag me I'm sick of talking to all of you people uh, I see. so um, it I, I bring it on myself a little bit but I mean I was also <laughs> making fun of haha Clinton Dix when he was on the team that I cheer for so um, because he's terrible and it doesn't matter that he moved teams he's still terrible. Let's I mean, let me. I, I I always bring it up in 2015. Haha ha blocked me on Twitter oh, for making fun of the way he he tackles, and I'm still blocked, and he still can't tackle. He's he's one of the unforgivables from that game, the uh, the 2015 playoff game. Is he not? Is he? I I thought didn't he have like an well, interception his, in that game? His his two. Well, he had a gifted interception that was airmail. Uh, haha, especially the, yeah, that he completely. The, the, but no, there's a play. The isn't it the two point conversion two point that he just oh, yeah. whiffed on his guy when he had 25 seconds to catch up to the ball? Yeah, and he just didn't. It's well, like not he only got did lost. He have time to catch up to the ball. It was caught like five feet from him. He just watched it happen. Yeah, yeah, that, that was not good. Watching that play in slow motion is agonizing. So yes, he is. So anyway, oh, question. I thought it broadcast in slow motion. Yeah, he moves in slow motion. The best one, by the way, just if you're looking, is the Saquon Barkley murdering Haha Clinton Dix play, <laughs> which is which is great. It, it just is a total microcosm of Haha Clinton Dix because first Saquon Barkley like jukes him out of his jock, then like runs away from him with Haha like trailing the play for ten yards the whole way, gets him on the sideline, and then stiff arms him to death. <laughs> it's just great. Um, I, I, it's a joy to watch. And he was on the Redskins at the time, which makes it even better. Um, so first question is from Ryan Ziegler. What is the most ominous feeling you have about this team? Um, not based on anything you've seen in the preseason, like short of Aaron Rodgers going down. What's the nightmare scenario for this team? Um, I, I can, I can go first on this one cause I got a list. Um, the, 
I think there's a lot that can go wrong, and that's really kind of my problems with having too much optimism about them. Uh, nightmare scenario is that Mike Patton's not a very good defensive coordinator, um, that his scheme is very similar to Dom Capers, and they kind of get torn up by a, a division that likes to run the ball, especially. Um, that Matt LaFleur, who wasn't really on anybody's offensive radar before the season, isn't that good of an offensive coordinator, runs the ball too much, gets him in deep down and distant situations, forces Aaron to do crazy stuff on third down, maybe gets him hurt, maybe gets him hit a lot, that the receivers don't develop behind Devontae Adams, and that uh, Mason Crosby ages a little bit too much and can't kick far anymore. Um, so that's the whole nightmare scenario. They could be potentially very bad. I don't think all that will happen, but I worry about all of those things when I look at the team. My biggest worry would be Lafleur because we don't have a ton of data on him. If he isn't, if he's just not good at this, and he doesn't build a rapport with Aaron Rodgers, you know they're not going to fire him after a year. They're probably not going to fire him after two years. And if it just isn't working out now, by the time you've hit the reset button, Aaron Rodgers is over. It's, it's done. So that's it. This has to work. Like Matt Lafleur has to work with Aaron Rodgers, and there's. You know, there's there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic about that, but also it could, without the data, we don't really know what he's going to be like, and it could theoretically blow up in their face, and then your Aaron Rodgers window closes pretty firmly after that. That'd be tough. I am abstaining from this question yeah. because you guys are making me super bummed out, and Ziggy is not nice for asking it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, uh, Andy Shaft, who does this remarkable Badgers newsletter, he had... Uh, I, by the way, I think we've mentioned Andy's name on every podcast so far. It's like a, And we should continue it's to It's like do an it. Easter egg. It's like how yeah. M. Night Shyamalan appears in all of his movies. Exactly. <laughs> so he does this delightful thing, and he, he bummed me out so bad. He had like a best case, worst case for every position group, which was hysterical some of it was like he's this guy stays healthy and then worst case this guy gets hurt i mean like tight ends they have one tight end so that made sense there but one of them was was the quarterback jack cone isn't good and then uh graham mertz can't you know as a, as a freshman just doesn't doesn't add up instead of having three good quarterbacks they have three bad ones graham mertz transfers in november <laughs> i just i just did Don't not see that. that coming i did Whoa. not see that as a possibility and i i like spit out whatever i was drinking at the time <laughs> Anyway, everybody subscribe to Andy's newsletter. It's fantastic. Yeah, if you have any interest in the Badgers people, that's that's where it is. By the way, I keep getting confused which team has Reggie Pearson and which team has Reggie Gilbert. So thankfully, that's going to be cleared up now. That's a good point. I appreciate you, Packers, cleaning that up for me. I don't know why I had a hard time with that. They're not even the the way you remember it is Gilbert Brown was a Packer, not a Badger. Yes, that's. By the way, do you see the picture of Gilbert today? No, he's all thinned out. He oh, looks great! Yeah. yeah, he he legitimately looks a lot like Stevie Wonder now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? He does. He looks like Stevie Wonder. He's got dreads and sunglasses and everything too. No, no, like like a but like his, his when he's thinned out and he has a goatee, he looks a lot like Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder. Amazing. I'm torn about that though. Gilbert's, you know, it's he's after football. It's good that he he lost yeah, the weight. It's healthy. Yeah, that's good for him. Good job, Gilbert. Um, so from Jonathan Deal, with the Packers focusing more on flexible ends versus edge, all capital, good job, for P- Patton's defense, is this more of a philosophical change or adjusting to modern trends? Um, I I don't want... Hmm. It's just terminology, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And I, I think this is, the answer is modern trends, because the modern trend is to have hybrid players everywhere. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but... Uh, it, it's it, everybody wants somebody who can play, um, regardless of what the offense throws at you in terms of power versus passing, without having to do substitutions all the time. The less you can substitute, the better. Um, I 
personally think that a lot of teams have gone a little too far with that and that hybrid players are often not good at anything versus being good at two things. Um, but it is definitely the way things have moved. Like you see a lot of, uh, you know, big safety slash linebackers. You see a lot of um, guys who are big enough to play linebacker, or small enough to play linebacker, big enough to play on the end with hand down. Um, so I, I do think that's the answer. I do think it's also kind of how Patton's scheme works. Um, and he definitely is a valuer of versatility in getting your pass rush from kind of all over the place versus just from the edge position. But uh, I, I think I think it's really more a mark of how the league is moving more than anything else. Yeah, yeah so Anybody? I just... I need to jump in. Yep. Uh, I had my mic muted when you congratulated Jonathan on saying edge in all caps. That was like the funniest thing you have said this entire time. <laughs> because that was so on brand for you. That was like, like if you would have said, hey, congratulations on putting edge in all caps. Also, there's no such thing as a second base prospect. Like, that would have been the most on brand thing. <laughs> I suppose so. I like the edge all caps. We should be have more positions that are all caps. And, um, like that is a good development. Um, it, it it should be what we like. I don't, I can't even think of off the top of my head, but like it, so, it's great. Also, the Brewers have had two second base prospects yeah, in the past fifteen yeah. years. <laughs> also true. Tan- tangential tangential question. Yep. Uh, with the rise of hybrid, aka tweener players, uh, do you think Mike Mamula would be a good player in today's game? Workout wonder, right, Mike Mamula? Yeah, Mike Mamula, he's been dubbed the man who broke the combine. He was the first player to train specifically for the combine. combine, Um, He was a third-round prospect who got drafted in the first round by the Eagles. I don't think so, Um, because everybody does that now, and not everybody's a good prospect. Um, Tons of guys train just to have good agility scores and, and good combine scores specifically, and it hasn't added up to um fitting in necessarily like i think josh well, Jones, i'm not oh. I, I don't mean just in terms of his his raw athleticism okay. he was he was a defensive end playing in the mid 90s who was 6'4 250 so he was kind of like the definition of a tweener like do you think that that someone of his ilk would be more useful right now i i don't know um So it's hard to answer that in a vacuum. And like I said, I don't actually see the lack of specialization as necessarily a good thing. I mean, he probably would fit into the league better right now, and he probably would get the attention of people being sort of an ultimate tweener athletic guy. But I don't think that's unique to the league right now. I mean, I think you just described a lot of guys who are in the league right now. Um, He just happened to be an older player who did that when it wasn't the thing yet. So... So yes, but I don't know. Like it, it's it's not just combine scores aren't everything. And um, I mean, he still he still did manage to rack up like thirty sacks. Like okay, so that's good. So he he did have a he did have a disagree. I'm just it's uh, the question about about uh, edge over linebacker just just makes me think about things like that. No, fair enough. Just uh, I don't know. I. I I, you know what? I've done too much like combine scouting lately. I'm actually sick of seeing people's measurables. Um, I want good old fashioned scouting where, where they're just saying guys can play and talk about wow. the talk about the bend that they have. You're you're over there with your eye test. Yep. I I, I can't even believe I'm talking to the same person. <laughs> 
I, I, so I part of that is like literally just fatigue from seeing that profile um, so many times, and like there are so many now just like weird tweener super athletic guys that have nine razes that they all kind of blend together for me and it doesn't impress me anymore i I actually kind of look for like outliers in that height weight more than i used to um just because i think if you if you can get like a bigger guy i think it's a huge advantage um i I think that plays up a lot these days versus how it used to Um, so you're saying like like an ras of nine of someone who's 320 pounds is much more impressive to you than someone who's 250 yes absolutely kind of across the board um i think that also you might see running start to come make a little bit of a comeback in terms of its efficiency for that reason too a lot of these lighter guys are going to start to get pushed over um somebody's going to do that and it's going to work the saints kind of already do that a little bit Uh, you might see the analysts turn a little bit on that sometime soon prediction for like five years from now Real quickly, yes. sidebar, little tiny story this week about how Clay Matthews said that he was under the impression he'd be coming back to the Packers possibly on a much smaller deal, but he was obviously uh, open and willing and hoping that that would work out. Uh, do you think there's any place for Clay Matthews on this team? Do you, or do you think the Packers may be erred in not, uh, not pursuing that? Uh, I, I don't. I, I think he's too one-dimensional for me now. Um, and doesn't get to the quarterback... He he could maybe still be good in in small chunks, but he was always a little bit of an undersized guy too. Like yeah, that's he, what made me think about it. When yeah, you're talking about that the running start. <laughs> built he's he was built on speed. Um, you know, good power for a guy his size. But he, I think it was predictable that he would decline significantly with age, just mm-hmm. because he relied on that athleticism and not really his moves so much. You know, he didn't really have an old man's game. He had a he had a young man's game, and when he he started to slow down a little bit. He went fast, um, and I don't well, really. His his uh, okay. I'm I'm always on here saying that correlation is not causation, uh-huh. but uh, roughly the day and a half after the league started testing for HGH, there are Clay, Clay was no longer good. Let's let's be yeah. Let's be clear here. There have always been a lot of rumors about Clay Matthews. He's never failed the test. Trend hard and never yeah. give up. <laughs> He's never failed the test. He's never you know actually tested positive for anything. But it's always hung over him for whatever reason. So well, well he in, did go from college. nothing to like, okay. He bulked up hugely immediately. Prospect. Yeah. He went from yes. a walk on to a first round prospect. He did. So there's a there's a saying in the in the powerlifting world: uh, drug tested does not mean drug free. It does not. Absolutely. So and as soon as as soon as HGH became a tested substance, Clay's performance dropped off a cliff. Aside from all Sigh. that, age got him too, and. It, He's one where you definitely want to move on a year too early versus a year too late. They probably moved on a year too late. Um, yeah. They were brutal at edge last year. He was one of the reasons why. He's on my list for 2015 because he was on the sidelines for much of that. Remember how it was such a mystery why he wasn't playing in that game? He, they were great when he, whenever he was on the field. As soon as he went off, um, it became the the yeah. read option show, and that's why they lost. That was that a was that was a big mystery. I mean, I, I'm sure it was injury related, but I'm sure it was injury related. He got hurt all the time. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's He's not small a small guy or not small, but yep. smaller, relatively, relatively. <laughs> yeah, my list is long. That game in 2015 got I, some got some unforgivables. A whole bunch of stuff that had to go wrong. Well, and it all there's did. a there is a t- 23 point list. Um, that Zach Cruz wrote for Cheesehead TV back in 2015. Oh, yeah. 
that was if any one of those things happened differently, the Packers win that game. Mm-hmm. If you want to torture yourself, go find that. Yeah, article. actually, I made a list myself of fifteen, but I'm I didn't even go I didn't even go on the film too deep. Uh, Julius Peppers is on the list. I mean, for the Nomos thing, not yeah, that, yeah. Not that I blame Julius Peppers. He was fantastic as a as a player, but like that was a bad call. That was a bad move. It was. That game is terrible. Yes. <laughs> we could spend all uh, we could spend multiple podcasts breaking that we'll down. Save that for lamenting it. Sometime. Jo- join our thirty dollar Patreon tier to watch us. <laughs> to, 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 <laughs> to I watched I watched that game. I watched that game at uh, at John Judge's house, uh on Twitter with Andy Schaff. And uh Andy and I vowed to never watch a football game there again after that game, so Sorry, John. Your house is cool, but you know we did already mention Andy Schaff once on this podcast, so yeah, we well, didn't need the sorry. second reference. But yeah, sometimes it's worth it. We got a reservoir. Maybe there'll be a podcast without him. So we just gotta <laughs> we gotta keep the average up. Indeed. All right. So I, I think we're we're getting about to the end here. So um, anybody have any plugs? Jr. Anything you got? Uh, so t- jsonline.com got. Uh, we'll have special subscription deals for people who want to keep up with the Packers this season who are not already online digital subscribers. Uh, there's Already one live for the Badgers, so you know, you know, either way, you could check it out or just subscribe to the Journal Sentinel or Green Bay Press Gazette if that's your thing. That'll get you the same access to Packers news. I did a story this week that is not football related <laughs> because, of course, it's not. It's baseball related or softball related. Uh, it landed on Wednesday of the first the first ever live event broadcast by ESPN is a slow pitch softball game in suburban Milwaukee. <laughs> I saw that. That was a awesome. A men's softball game. It was a, it was the World Series of a men's softball league in 1979, 40 years ago in September. And uh, it was the Milwaukee Schlitz against the Kentucky Bourbons. Uh, it was in Milwaukee because that just happened to be the team that qualified to get to the World Series, and the series happened to be starting there, and ESPN was trying to launch, and they're going to be doing a big E60 special on the first ever event they interviewed. Jeremy Schapp came to town, interviewed a ton of guys with the with the Schlitz. Uh, those guys are all still around. Softball was huge back in the late 60s, early 70s in Milwaukee, So, um, and in this case, the late 70s too. So it was, it was so much fun to write. I loved it. I'm really excited that people were reading it and responding to it. It's, it's one, of, one of my favorite things that I've written in a long time. So check that out at jsonline.com. Yeah. That's not uh, fully behind the paywall. So if you uh, haven't used up your articles or you are a subscriber, <laughs> which I hope you are, you can uh, you can check out the full story of how that came to be. I am a subscriber, and I read that today, and it was great. Thank you. I I've, I really loved doing that story. Yeah. It was fun. A lot of fun quotes from people. Matt, you got anything? Um, nothing really to plug. Uh, I, I just finished my first season in my face of the franchise of Madden. Uh, <laughs> or, uh, quarterback Fart McDuty. <laughs> One league MVP and the Super Bowl uh, beat the Packers. Uh, it was like forty-eight to forty-one. What's going on? In, never mind. I don't care. <laughs> Listen to our adult podcast <laughs> about adult podcasts. Well, no. So like, it was. I I just I was like, we, you have to name him right away. And I, I was like, okay. Well, I, just, I put in whatever, That's and I forgot what his name was, and I didn't play for like two weeks. And then at the <laughs> combine, it just says McDuty on the back of his jersey. I was Is... like, oh yeah. I forgot about Unbelievable! Is this the game where Christian McCaffrey is definitely not Christian McCaffrey? Uh, no, you, you're. I think you're thinking of Philip Lindsley, who is. Um, he like petitioned EA because he looked nothing like himself. There's a there's a few guys. McCaffrey is black in the game, which is oh wow, I was unaware. A misfire. That. It's not quite right. It's a there's a, there's a good list actually of yeah. video game players who are the wrong. Greg Olson looks nothing like Greg yeah. Olson. It's, yeah, tech, there's a few of them. There's a, a whole bunch of people. Tech Mobile has a, a big problem with that. Um, they have a bunch of random white guys who are not white, <laughs> and it's 
Um, well, I'm in uh, back in the N64 days, Blitz 2000. Every character was black. Everyone, including Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> Seems right. Ah, video games. Uh, all right. Well, I, I can forgive the Nintendo yeah. and the N64. I can forgive those things. But when well, you know Madden is like getting down that's the true, details that's true. of like. They should... Here's, here's their score for hydration. Here's their score for everything. <laughs> and they can't even get like even a modern. I mean, I mean it's just a glitch is all it is, yep. I think. But speaking of video games and tech mobile, Paul, you could plug the. Hey, the good game. transition. So, um, yeah, we're part of the MK Tailgate Network. Um, you can find that at uh, Patreon, sla- uh, Patreon slash MK Tailgate. Um, if you are in the $10 tier there, you can join our Fantasy Football League. If you do that, draft will be September 4th. I'll be in it. If you do that, you can win a copy of TSB 2019. That is Tecmo Super Bowl 2019. It is a Nintendo cart. It has updated rosters for Tecmo Super Bowl in it. So if you ever wanted to play Tecmo Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers on an actual working Nintendo with Nintendo controllers, not just emulating it on your computer with some crappy ROM, you can win that. Um, that's going to be the prize for whoever does it, unless I win it, in which case I will keep it and laugh at all of you. Um, details to sign up are there it'll be an espn league it'll be ppr because i like that better and we'll take as many as we can get up to 14 so um go check that out and starting with the first game of the season probably next week actually before the bear game if you join the five dollar tier you'll get a separate mini podcast i'll tell you all of the statistical analysis going into the game the bears one week one will be quite interesting because there's a lot that can go wrong in that game i'll give you some fantasy advice even though i'm not great at it which you'll all find out in the league um and uh <laughs> <laughs> better at real game analysis than fantasy analysis because there's a lot that goes into fantasy football that just isn't good for real football like you know running backs are valuable and um or you like know, ppr where you've got guys just catching 10 catching, passes catching, in the fourth quarter yeah like christian mccaffrey's good when he catches 15 yeah. passes in a game even though the panthers have never won touchdowns. a game when that happens um see that was a good real world stat and fantasy stat together in one 15 point game not useful at all um but uh we'll have a, a good preview of every game and it should be a, a, a give you a nice insight into what's going to happen that week so um, look for that. Um, you can see details on that on Twitter, on Patreon, on Facebook, um, if you follow the show there. So um, I think that is all for this week. And we will talk to you again next week. Lots of cuts to discuss next week. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It, oh, oh, it's going to be cut week and preview week. So It'll uh, be fun or it won't. <laughs> Blue Lane Taylor is still a Packer. I, I might be really angry. So, yeah, um, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. It could They're going to keep four quarterbacks. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh god all right